been almost two months since we've joined Jesus in the book of Mark. And it seems like a good reminder for us to remember why we come to look at Mark, why we look at any of the Gospels. The Gospels, there's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one of them are taken with the description of Jesus. J.C. Ryle reminds us why we are walking with Jesus through the book of Mark. He says, Now the Gospels, of which Mark is one, were written to make us acquainted with Christ. In the Gospels, we see his ways, his manners, his feelings, his wisdom, his grace, his patience, his love, his power, are graciously unfolded to us by four different witnesses. He goes on to say, Ought not the sheep be familiar with the shepherd? Ought not the patient to be familiar with the physician? Ought not the bride to be familiar with the bridegroom? Ought not the sinner to be familiar with the Savior? Beyond all doubt, it ought to be so. The Gospels were written to make men and women familiar with Christ. And therefore, I wish men and women to study or read the Gospels. On whom must we build our souls? If we would be accepted with God, we must build on the rock, Christ. From whom must we draw that grace of the Spirit which we daily need in order to be fruitful? We must draw from the vine, Christ. To whom must we look for sympathy when earthly friends fail us or die? We must look to our elder brother, Christ. By whom must our prayers be presented if they are to be heard on high? They must be presented by our advocate, Jesus. With whom do we hope to spend the thousand years of glory and after that, eternity? With the King of Kings, Christ. Surely we cannot know this Jesus too well. Surely we cannot know this Christ too well. There is not a word, nor a deed, nor a day, nor a step nor a thought in the record of his life which ought not to be precious to us. We should labor to be familiar with every line that is written about Jesus, and we are doing just that because we can't know this Christ too well. Today we are reminded why it's worthwhile to follow Jesus, the one who gives mercy. We follow Jesus, the merciful. Mark beckons us to join him again, and we take our place with the crowd, as they surround Jerusalem, as they surround Jesus walking to Jerusalem. So I'm going to read beginning in Mark chapter 10, verse 46, all the way down to the end of the chapter. And they, being Jesus and the disciples, came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. 
And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Lord, we ask for your presence among us as your word is preached this morning. We know that your word is not just any other book. You speak through your word in a way that you do not anywhere else. So I pray you would speak to us this morning and help us to hear. Spirit, I pray that you would be amongst us in power so that we might know your presence, that we might see how important eternity is, and that there are passing things that have gotten our attention and demand so much time. Lord, I pray that we would see you as most important, most significant, most worthy. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. As we said, we join Jesus and his disciples as they walk to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem is Jericho. Now, to understand what happens on the outskirts of Jericho, we need to remind ourselves... We need to remember where we are. You might say, previously in Mark, like they do in TV shows. We won't understand what's happening on the outskirts of Jericho if we don't understand what happened on the road leading to Jericho. And we remember that previously, Jesus took his followers aside and told them for the third time what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. We see that in Mark chapter 10, verse 33. See, Jesus says, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Jesus was not just going to be murdered. He was going to be made a spectacle of, and he called his shot. He says, this is what's going to happen to me. He was going to be publicly disgraced, mocked, whipped, spit upon, and killed. Now, immediately after what must have been a solemn moment, the two dunderheads, James and John, come up to Jesus and ask for a favor. Jesus just bares his soul and tells them, Hey guys, this is the last trip I'm ever going to take. I am on my way to die. So James and John say, well, it's now or never. Verse 35, Mark chapter 10. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in glory. (laughs) You see what they ask? They ask for, they say essentially, hey, listen, you're about to die before this happens can we be the most important people in the universe? Besides you, of course. You're more important than we are. But if we're just sort of, if you're here and we're there, that'd be pretty cool. Can we do that? Can I get like a shiny suit to wear where people look at me and say, he's important. That's the kind of thing we want. Not as important as you, Jesus, but important enough to where we can sit on your right and on your left. We want to be great. And they proved, and the other disciples were angry because they asked the question. All of them wanted to ask. They all wanted to be the greatest. Each of the disciples wanted to be great. 
But they didn't understand, even with the question they asked, they showed that they didn't understand who Jesus was and what he was to do. With that answer ringing in our ears, we meet Bartimaeus. Two points. We're going to, first, we meet Bartimaeus. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and he had to pass through the village of Jericho. Yes, it's that Jericho. Yeah, the walls are good now, and nothing's fallen down. It's been rebuilt. The people are living there again. And Jesus and his retinue go through town to get maybe some supplies, to grab some food, to spend the night, not sure. But they leave on the southwestern side of Jericho to get to Jerusalem. Now, outside these walls is a blind beggar we meet named Bartimaeus. Now, that day had no social security safety net, no disability, no government assistance of any kind. So the mentally and physically disabled were pushed to the margins of society. Most of them were reduced to begging. So whatever the family did to earn a living, be it tent making or farming, be it selling merchandise in the market, if, family, if families had disabled people, they would bring them to the roadside so that they might beg for money of those people who pass by. Now, on the day we join Jesus, more people than normal would be passing through Jericho on that road because it's Passover time. Bartimaeus would hear the roads full of people going from Jericho to Jerusalem because tens of thousands of Jews would travel each year to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast. The week, the day we meet Bartimaeus would be the week he would make most of his money probably throughout the year. He would hear the traffic. So Bartimaeus is brought to the roadside on Jerusalem, the roadside to the road to Jerusalem to plead for help from the rivers of people passing by. Now Bartimaeus might have been blind, but he knew who Jesus was. He heard the reports. He heard about the power and the mercy of the Nazarene. While he was sitting by the side of the road, he heard people talk. He heard what happened. He heard about Jesus the Nazarene, how he raised the dead, healed the sick, fed the hungry, confronted the Pharisees, calmed the storms, and dispatched demons with a word. Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. And then he hears Jesus was coming near him. Verse 47. And when he, being Bartimaeus, heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When he heard Jesus was near, he wanted to make sure that Jesus could hear him. So he cries out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He had no idea if Jesus would ever pass that way again. And we know from the book of Mark, he doesn't. He never goes back to Jericho. So that day, On the side of the road, Bartimaeus does not politely call out to Jesus. He cries out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this is the only time in this book that a person calls Jesus the son of David. That is an official title. That's not just a nickname. Bartimaeus is referring to Jesus as the one who would come from the line of David and free people from their sin. This is the promise written way back in the Old Testament, some 10 centuries before, give or take, Bartimaeus says this. We read this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. When your days are fulfilled, God is speaking to David, and you lie down with your fathers. 
I will raise up your offspring, or one to come after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So David looked forward to a greater son to come and establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so when Bartimaeus is Jesus, son of David, he's saying, Jesus, the one God promised to the father, to the king David, he is here. The son of David, whose kingdom will be established forever and ever. He is now here in our midst. And I want to call Jesus, son of David. Now, no one else in the book of Mark had this insight that Bartimaeus had. Though blind, Bartimaeus saw Jesus for who he was. He saw him better than the disciples. Edward says, what Bartimaeus lacks in eyesight, he makes up for an insight. Yes, he does. And Bartimaeus would not be denied. He cried out to Jesus. In verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. He must have made himself quite a nuisance, because I can imagine with hundreds and hundreds of people walking by on the road, it wasn't quiet, it wasn't respectful, it wasn't solemn. They're singing songs. They're loud. They're talking. It's a raucous affair. They're not playing the quiet game like I try to do in my car with my kids, and it never works. They're walking. They're loud. And even louder than that, we hear someone saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they say, shut up. Jesus is just be respectful. He's just passing by. He's not going to want to do anything with you. But Bartimaeus, he doesn't care a whit. And so he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out all the more. He cried out all the more. Now, do you notice what he cried? Look at verse 48, the second half. Son of David, have mercy on me. Do you see what he asks for? He asks for mercy. He does not ask for healing. Now, Bartimaeus doesn't just use this kind of churchy language because he knew that Jesus likes the word mercy. But he's saying something specific. We see when Bartimaeus asks for mercy, he's not envisioning himself to be a victim or somehow deserving something from Jesus. He asks for mercy. Mercy is getting something, is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. Mercy is different. Mercy... It's like this. It's when a captured soldier begs for, begs for life or mercy from a conquering general. To cry for mercy is much more than saying, I want to see. It's something more like, spare me, help me, let me live. I don't deserve it. I know I have punishment. I am guilty, but I pray, let me live. Now, why would Bartimaeus ask for mercy from Jesus? Here's why. Because he knew he had no standing before Jesus. He knew he had nothing to offer. He knew he had nothing to give. He knew all he had was need. He was helpless. And that is the precisely the best way to come to Jesus. Admitting your neediness. There's a tragic lie that travels about in our day where people think they need to improve themselves or clean themselves up or become a better version of themselves for Jesus to be interested in them. False. Nothing, and I do mean nothing, can be further from the truth. 
Jesus is attuned to the cries of mercy. What do you bring? What did Bartimaeus have to bring to Jesus? He had nothing. What do we have to bring to Jesus? We have nothing. Bartimaeus had nothing to offer, and he didn't pretend like he did. He didn't shout from the roadside saying, Jesus, son of David, I can be an, a, a significant asset to your kingdom. I just need to see. He doesn't shout, Jesus, son of David, I, I've tried to be a good person. Help me. He doesn't say, Jesus, son of David, I'll do whatever you ask. Just heal me. No, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In other words, I have nothing but need. Have mercy. That's the way to come to Jesus. He doesn't say he deserves to be healed. He says, give me mercy. Give me mercy. Give me mercy. And that's how all of us are to come to Jesus. What do we deserve? We don't deserve his attention. But if we're Christians, we've received his mercy. We have not been given what we deserve. Bartimaeus cries all the more. Surely Jesus heard him cry the first time. The second time, the third, the fourth, the fifth time, however many he cried, he may not answer immediately, but he heard his cry. Same is true for us. He might not answer immediately, but he hears our every cry. He hears our every plea. He hears our every prayer. Now that we've met Bartimaeus, we're going to see Bartimaeus meet Jesus. And that happens in verse 49. Bartimaeus meets Jesus. Verse 49, and Jesus stopped. Now, when you keep reading here throughout this, the rest of this story, Jesus isn't going to stop until he gets to Jerusalem. But what Mark wants us to see is if there is something that would stop Jesus in his tracks, it's someone asking for mercy. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He has an appointment to die. He has a date with destiny. The very reason he came to earth was going to be fulfilled, but a plea for mercy got him to stop. And when he stopped, he said, call him. And they, being the crowd, called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. Now, Bartimaeus did not have to be told twice to go to Jesus. Verse 50, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up, and came to Jesus. Now, I wonder how many times in his life he had ever sprung up to go anywhere. I doubt very many, if ever. His whole life, shrouded by darkness, he would have stepped gingerly forward into unending darkness. But today, he springs up and bounds over to Jesus. Then Jesus addresses Bartimaeus and asks him a question. It's the same question that he asked James and John. We reviewed just moments ago. Verse 51, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And notice, before we get to the answer, Jesus addresses this person that everyone else ignored. Jesus looks the man in the face that everyone else has passed by on the road without a second glance. Jesus never treats people as objects. Jesus never treats people as projects. When you come to Jesus, you might think you'll lose your personality and become somebody you don't recognize. Rather, what happens when you come to Jesus is your humanity is restored. Your purpose, you have a purpose. 
Jesus restores a bit of Bartimaeus' humanity by asking him a question and treating him like a person and not like an object, not like somebody to avoid, not like somebody not to look at, not like somebody you just sort of turn away from. Jesus turns to him. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? The same question was asked in Mark chapter 10, verse 36. James and John say, we want to be the most important people in the universe with shiny clothes and super exciting, want some superpowers, probably like Superman. We want greatness. And with that answer ringing in, the, in our ears, Jesus puts the very same question to Bartimaeus, and he gets a very different answer. Verse 51, the second half, and the blind man said, after Jesus asked him what he wanted him to do, Rabbi, teacher, let me recover my sight. You might think, well, duh, of course you would ask for that. And the reason we say, duh, of course you would ask for that is because we already read the story. We know what's going to happen. We know what's coming next. But think about the great risk it was for Bartimaeus to make that request. What did Bartimaeus do when he was led out by the arm from his home or wherever he slept that night to go to the roadside? He came to beg for money. He came out that day to get cash with no expectation of anything else. Now, Bartimaeus knew Jesus was different. He called him the son of David. He knew he was the promised one. Now, if any other person had stood in front of Bartimaeus and said, what do you want me to do for you? He would have said, I just want a few extra shekels or maybe some scraps of food, a job maybe. But Bartimaeus, he knew Jesus was different. And when Jesus asks him what he wants, Bartimaeus asks for something more than a few coins. He says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Now, when Bartimaeus says the word rabbi, literally it's, it's a, a word that doesn't just mean teacher. It is a word that faithful Jews would have addressed to God in prayer. We might render it like this. My divine master, let me recover my sight. Bartimaeus is talking to Jesus as one would address God the Father. My divine master, God the Son, we might say, let me recover my sight. That takes faith. That takes trust in Jesus. That's a step of faith with people gathered around looking at him. He could ask that of no other person. But he asked Jesus, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Bartimaeus had come in contact with the divine master. He asked for mercy. He asked to receive. He, he asked not to receive what he deserved, but he asked for something better. He asked for mercy. And he could see. Jesus' response is, your faith has made you well. Now, faith is a word that's often used, especially in church, but rarely understood. It means this. Faith is nothing more than trust. It's what we trust in. When Jesus says, go your way, your faith has made you well, we could render it, go your way, your faith or your trust in me has made you well. Your faith or your trust in me has made you well. Faith is always points to something or someone. For example, 
You have faith that the chair you are sitting in won't collapse, so you keep sitting down. Now we all think about our chairs. You have faith that the roof won't topple down on our head, so you stay in the room. Bartimaeus had faith that Jesus could trust him. Notice, we don't have any description of how much faith it was, how much trust he had, just that he had trust that Jesus could help him. Just that he knew that only Jesus could do this. See, if you think you must work up some kind of massive saint level of faith to be able to be accepted by God in Christ, think that no longer. Look to Jesus. And even if it's just a tiny bit, even if it's just a little more, even if it's just a little more than the faith you have in yourself, and you say, I trust you, Jesus, more, that's enough. Go your way, he says, your faith has made you well. Literally, it could be rendered, go your way, your faith has saved you. Bartimaeus was saved because he believed that Jesus, and only Jesus, could help him. Jesus had mercy on him. He gave him what he didn't deserve. He didn't give him what he deserved. Now, some of us in this room need to come to Jesus and say, have mercy on me. Do not give me what I deserve. Do not give me what I deserve. I need help. I need help. See, the point here is not just that Jesus can give sight to the blind, but that he gives mercy to those who call on him. This is who he is. This is what he does. See, when Jesus says, go on your way, your faith has made you well. It points to what Christ has done. And the reader is meant to ask, Where would Bartimaeus' way be? Now that he's restored, where would he go? Would he go home? Get his family? Say, look, I can see. Would he look up at the stars in the sky at night? Would he he be transfixed by the sunrise and the sunset? This is what he did. Verse 52, the second half. And immediately he, being Bartimaeus, recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus was saved and followed Jesus. He was made well, and he followed Jesus. He was following Jesus. Wherever Jesus led, Bartimaeus would follow. Now, most of the time in the Gospels, when someone is healed, we do not know their name. But here, we know the name of Bartimaeus. You know what that means? That means that the original audience who first read Mark knew Bartimaeus and knew who he was. The saints that first read the book of Mark still had Bartimaeus with them. Christians could go to him and say, tell us about that day. What did you expect that day when you were brought out to the roadside on the way to Jerusalem outside Jericho? And he would tell of the day that we just read about. The day he cried for mercy and the God of the universe came close to heal and to help. He would tell of that day and it would be a testimony of the work and the power of Jesus Christ. Because you see, the miracles in the Gospels are not just to show us that Jesus has power, but they are to show us who he is. It means nothing to us that he healed somebody so long ago. What application? What does that care? Who cares? So what? So what? A formerly blind man is healed and follows Jesus. What does that have to do with me? What difference does that have to do with me? 
Here's the difference. Jesus hasn't changed. He still responds to mercy. See, the focus ought not necessarily be on the healing, but the Savior. Our Savior always has His ears open to cries of mercy. Here's what it has to do with us. Jesus is in this picture. And Jesus responds to the one who cries out for mercy. If we're here and we're Christians, you know this. You know that we have not received what we deserve. You know that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. You know that we were once blind, but then we received a touch from Christ. We received mercy. We did not receive what we deserved. See, when we know and see Jesus, it makes a difference for how we live and who we are. The point here is not that Jesus can heal our physical afflictions, though he can, but that Jesus responds to mercy, to calls for mercy. This is a story that helps us to get to know Jesus better. So what can we see about Jesus? Two things. First, Jesus still offers mercy. Mercy. The reason this is, a, this is more than a story about a blind man who received mercy is because Jesus is in the story. Jesus is the one who restored his sight. If Jesus died and is still dead, there would be no hope. And there would be no reason to think about what Jesus did outside Jericho on the road to Jerusalem. But because Jesus still lives, because he died and rose again, and he still hears the cries of cries of help or mercy from the helpless. Our, ear, our Lord's ears are tuned to the call of the helpless for mercy. He has not changed. He is the same. We read the Gospels to get to know Him, and He has not changed. And one of the reasons that we can be sure that we will receive mercy when we call on it, call on him, is because he did not receive mercy the day of his, uh, his hour of trial. Now remember where we're going in this book. Mark chronicles Jesus is in Jericho with us this morning, but he's heading to Jerusalem. He's already told us that he's going to be mocked and spit upon, flogged and killed. And has, as he was in the throes of death, he cried out for mercy. God, mercy! And he was ignored. And the father turned his back. There was no mercy for him that day. See, Bartimaeus could cry out for mercy and know that he can receive it because Jesus did not receive it that day. Though he was faultless, though he was entirely obedient, though the son deserved help and Mercy, he got none. He received, unlike us, what he did not deserve. He received punishment. As he died, Jesus was treated like he deserved all that was happening to him, though he did not. So that we might be able to receive mercy when we call. In other words, Jesus purchased the right to give mercy by paying for our sins with his death. 
And that's why this story matters. This story matters because we see very clearly who Jesus is. Jesus, the merciful one. Jesus, the one worth following. Jesus, our friend. Jesus, who still gives mercy. And if this Jesus did not die and rise again, this story about Bartimaeus would have no bearing on our lives whatsoever. You see, Bartimaeus' greatest problem that day was not that he could not see, but it was that he was a sinner. His greatest problem was that he was unworthy. And you know what caused him to come to Jesus? What caused him to cry out to Jesus? His physical hardship. Oftentimes, hardship, including disease or some other physical disorder, causes us to come to Jesus. Because when we're sick, when we're ailing, None of us think that we're world beaters. We don't sit here and think, I'm the best. I don't need any help. No, we cry out for help. We cry out for mercy. Bartimaeus cried out for mercy. And Jesus gave it to him. Are you sick? Anyone shackled to disease understands their own humanity and how short life really is. If you're here and you're sick, And in need of that kind of help, the help you need goes further than your health. Jesus can heal, but what you need more urgently is to come to him and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. To sin just means you've done wrong and you know it. People who know this, who are helpless, they know they don't deserve any attention from the Lord but they ask for mercy. They come to him and say, I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing in my hands, but I need mercy. The ones who receive mercy are the ones who don't deserve it, but ask. Remember, you do not need to improve yourself or become a better person to be loved or accepted by this Jesus. You just need to ask. Do you feel worthy or do you feel unworthy? Good. You're not worthy. No one who comes to Jesus is. John Mayer asks a set of questions in his song, In the Blood, which I think are applicable to us this morning. He sings, How much of my mother has my mother left in me? How much of my love will be insane to some degree? And what about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Will it wash out in the water? Or is it always in the blood? What about this feeling that I'm never good enough? Does it go away? Can you wash it away with good works? The water of good works or good feelings? Or is it always there? It's always there unless you cry mercy to Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus still offers mercy to the unworthy and to those not good enough. So if you're here and you're not following Jesus, I would beg and I would plead that you not let your sense of unworthiness keep you from him. You can still cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. How do you do that? You can do that anywhere. You can talk to Christians. They can tell you how they've met Jesus. You can hear how it's worthwhile for them. He will give mercy to all who call on him and save you from your sins and give you 
So if you're, not here, if you're here and you're not following Jesus, you need to know Jesus still offers mercy. And Christians, for those of us who are here who have received mercy, the Christian life is much simpler than we think. Follow him. To me, the most moving words in this passage are the last ones. And immediately, he, being Bartimaeus, recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Those few words encapsulate the whole of the Christian life. What are we who have received mercy to do with our lives? Follow him on the way. What are we to do when the winds of trouble blow? Follow him on the way. What are we to do when we're burdened by disappointment? Follow him on the way. What are we to do when we're afraid to get out of bed? Follow him on the way. What are we to do when we face an uncertain future? Follow him on the way. What are we to do when our kids wander? Follow him on the way. What are we to do tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that? Follow him on the way. Those that have received mercy, we keep following Jesus. We keep taking one step in front of another. We keep obeying him. We keep looking to Him. So Christian, we've received mercy. We have hope. We have not been given what we deserve. We've received mercy. So what does that mean? We follow Him on the way. Just like Bartimaeus. Let's pray. Lord, I pray, for, I pray for people in this room who do not know you and are not following you, Lord. I pray that you would <coughs> birth a desire in their hearts to want to set aside their own agendas and purposes and look to you. I pray for people here who are feeling unworthy, feeling like they don't measure up, but I pray that your mercy would overwhelm that sense, that, that sense of unworthiness. Because you, Jesus, have come to save the unworthy, the people who have nothing to offer. And so, Lord, I pray for people here who <coughs> are acutely aware that they have nothing to offer. I pray, Lord, that they would cry out for mercy. And, Lord, I pray that they would experience your nearness and be saved. Lord, I also pray for Christians in this room. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is just to get up and follow you. Bartimaeus walked the road. He had no idea where it would lead, not entirely, but he kept putting one foot in front of the other as he walked with you down the road. And so, Lord, we have no idea what comes up, what's coming up over the next bluff. We have no idea what's around the next corner. We have no idea what's coming next, but we do know who leads us. You do. And so, Lord, we look to you and we follow. Help us to be faithful just to put one foot in front of the next and follow. Thank you for, for giving us mercy when we didn't deserve it, Lord. In your name, Jesus, thank you. We pray. Amen.